Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. Some Bay Area Native Americans and their supporters say it's high time we had a fresh conversation about what happened post-European contact. We'll hear from one woman arguing for reassessment and preservation of her family's history in Point Reyes. And we'll ask a bigger question. Should we return some public land to local tribes? Because it was stolen and the descendants of the people it was stolen from are still here. Then at 940, we'll talk about how to get your feelings on the dinner table with the authors of Steamed, a catharsis cookbook. That's next on Forum, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. Some members of the Bay Area's indigenous community say their history has been erased or mischaracterized by generations of anthropologists, museum curators, and park managers. It's a conversation that is beginning to turn locally and nationally, too. As part of our first-person series profiling Bay Area changemakers, we'll hear today from a woman who is working to share the untold history of a special place in Marin County. Joining us now is Teresa Harlan, the adopted daughter of a Coast Miwok Tamales Bay family. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Well, I guess I'll start by asking you to tell us about your background. Well, um, my family's background? Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, my mother was Elizabeth Campili Harlan, and she grew up on a little cove on the western shore of Tamales Bay called Laird's Landing. And her family lived there um, from, we were not quite sure how early they lived there, but um, records show about mid-19th century, um, her grandfather and his brother built homes at Laird's Landing and homes on Marshall Beach. But it was her Coast Miwok ancestral homelands um, in Tamales, and they um, found their way back to Tamales Bay. And so this is what I'm t- this is the story. The story is about this 
family who survived 200 years of missions, um, poverty, um, being estranged from their homelands, um, segregated to the colony in Nicasio, but finding their way back to where their blood comes from, where their spirit comes from, where their life comes from, and that's the western shores of Tamales Bay. So my mom grew up there with her extended family, her aunt living on the next um, cove at Marshall Beach. There was two homes there and her home um, on Laird's Landing, which we are calling Felix Cove. And um, my my mother's dad was Arnold Campili, Swiss Italian. His family had a ranch at U uh, U Ranch. Um, So my grandpa and my grandmother lived this life that I think people wish they could have now, which is off the grid, sustainable. They grew their own food. They have their own cow. Um, and they managed to live off the land with abalone, oysters, clam, perch. Um, they fished when they wanted fish. My mom said she'd go out in the rowboat and fish. And her life was rowing across the bay to Marshall for groceries. Um, and sometimes she said she'd row it two or three times a day for fun, but they had to row in the morning because the winds come up in the afternoon. So I was raised on those stories of my mom and my aunts and my uncles living on the bay um, in um, their life at Tamales and Marshall and Point Reyes. And so that's why it's so close to me. And that's why it's so important for me to work to protect my mom's house, which was almost demolished twice by the National Park Service. But thankfully, Superintendent Kinkle has promised that during his administration, I do not have to be fearful of the demolition of my mom's ancestral home. And that home is one is, as far as I know, the last remaining Coast Miwok built home at Tamales Bay in Point Reyes National Seashore. And the other part of our story is, is that in the 50s, my uncle and my grandfather at the time um, in, uh, were evicted by um, a rancher who falsely claimed that he was only letting my grandmother live there to be nice. And after she passed, he served eviction orders. And so I see myself as continuing my uncle's work to keep the fight for the land. My uncle, Victor Souza, took the rancher to court um, the district attorney of, of uh, Marin County was his lawyer, and they thought they had the good fight. They thought that they had plenty of oral testimony to prove that the family was there before the ranchers. And unfortunately, they lost um, the case. They lost the appeal and they were evicted. My grandfather came to live with us in Napa and my uncle a few years later passed away. Um, he worked in um, Johnson Oyster Company. So so what do you want to see happen there now, Teresa? So I want to see the house protected. I want to see a living center dedicated to my family's legacy of survivorance, of survivorance built on tenacity of traditional ecological knowledge. I want to see um, the what if. This is what I shared with Superintendent Kinkle. Not only do I want the structures of the houses and the cabins and the sheds restored, but I want a picture to share with not only my family, but Coast Miwok members, Native people, and all, all citizens is that the what if. What if my family 
his life wasn't disrupted, disrupted by catastrophic change by missions. My family would still be speaking Kosmiwak. My family would still be practicing their ceremonies and basket weaving and gathering indigenous plants. But instead, my family, my mom and her mom and aunts, they spoke Spanish because the time in the missions replaced their indigenous language with Spanish. So I would like to see the what if. I would like to see the healing. I would like to see that land restored. I would like to see it a place that's welcoming for not only Native people, but for all people, people of color, of a welcoming place. I'd like to see the park um, incorporate um, indigenous Coast Miwok names into the places out there. There are stories that are untold out there based on the lot, land, the rock, the water. Um, and so that's what I would like to see. Not only our place restored and a future, a future because it, it'll die with me. I'm 61 years old. My grandmother died when she was 68 of tuberculosis. You know, that's health disparities with Native people. I want to see it for my cousins, grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. I want to see it for the citizenship of Federated Indians of Great Rancheria. I want to see it for Californians and Americans because it's the history. It's the history of this American survivance of indigenous people. Well, I, I want to put a call out to our listeners. Uh, if you are Native American, uh, we would love to hear your thoughts about your history and ancestral land, especially if you're from the Bay Area, but we're not going to limit it because we know our audience is broader than that. Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED. Uh, you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Uh, Teresa, I'm, I'm wondering if you can take us back in time a little bit. You know, I've, I've talked to a number of Native Americans and historians who, who say first the Spanish, then the Mexicans, then the Anglos really misunderstood who they were looking at when they were looking at Bay Area indigenous tribes. You know, they called them Costanoans. They called them collectively... Ohlone, um, when really you had, I don't know, maybe maybe 50 different chieftains, you know, family groupings, language groupings, you know, it, it's a much more complex, richer picture than what previous generations understood and left for, you know, uh, American citizens to understand uh, in the present day. Yes, uh, I grew up, my mom identified as Tamales Bay Indians. And I think that is closer than what the anthropologists called them, which was Miwoks of the coast, coast Miwoks. Um, and so, you know, the, I think that um, what needs to be shared is the true picture, the reality, um, the age of innocence of, you know, um, people, uh, non-native people entering into a land that's free and unfettered and untouched by human hands. The age of innocence is over. We need to hear the story about how Point Reyes National Seashore was settled um, by the Shafter era by Howard, about how the fact that Kloss and Howard's ranch manager drove off actually was smart enough to use the school census to find native families and then by gunpoint 
evicted Native families off the western shores of Tamales. That's what my family survived. And, you know, luckily that is recorded by Seahart uh, Miriam and, and written about by Heiser. I mean, so the reality is, is also the picture that I want to portray is that my grandpa, Swiss Italian, lived there and he contributed to the lifestyle. The, my family wasn't just static. Um, and I think that's what people miss, you know, were my family was Cosmiwak, Pomo, um, you know, Swiss Italian. Um, so I, I think that's what really needs to be to bear out is that that the truth is an opportunity. The truth is an opportunity to really free us from the myths that have surrounded us and taught us that, you know, fourth grade missions you know, that history is celebrated. and you Right. Know, I, and it's it's bunk, really. I, I do want to uh, bring in a, a caller. We've got Sky Road in Davis, who is joining us uh, to talk about his personal family history. Hi, Sky. Good morning. This is Sky. Good to hear, uh, join you this morning. Yeah. So so tell us about your, your background. Yes. My uh, mother, side of the families was uh, Coast Miwok, and they were, my gra- grandmother was uh, was a Frias family, and they were born in Marshall, and, and my family goes way back in the, and, and they they also are identified as Tamales Bay Miwok, you know, on their documents of from the federal government. That, uh, I wasn't fortunate enough to uh, be raised here. My, I was born um you know, out of state. And, and then I came back to a uh, point raised to track down my, and, you know, history and my family and, and um, where I came to, to start my journey was right there at point raised national seashore and uh, came into that place there, the Cooley Loclo, which is the demonstration village that they've built there at the park. And now, I'm, I'm going to have you hold that thought, Sky Road, because uh, uh, we, we want to take this one up right after the break. Let me tell our audience we are talking about recovering the history of the Bay Area's Native people and maybe even some of their land. Uh, if you're Native American, please join the conversation. Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED uh, or email forum at kqed.org. Stay with us. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro, and I'm talking with Teresa Harlan, the adopted daughter of a Coast Miwok Tamales Bay family, and also Sky Road in Davis. And Sky Road, you were just telling us about reconnecting with your Coast Miwok family history. What has that felt for you like emotionally? 
I, I have to say it, it is it is profound. I think any Native American you talk to is carrying, you know, a pain, pain of, you know, post-genocidal survivor syndrome. They may have intergenerational trauma, you know, and, uh, you know, so when you come to look at your history and, you know, we have to we have to dig, dig up these papers and. You know, and, and right there is the history of discrimination and murder and theft, you know. So even even just coming back to look at our, our history honestly and look at our our family, you know, brings up a lot of this pain. But, we, you know, we, we believe that culture is the cure. And uh, when I, I, I was mentioning that when I first I moved back to California in 2009 and got involved in this volunteer program out at Cooley Loclo and Point Reyes National Seashore, and there's a demonstration village, and we we keep up the structures. There was a ceremonial lodge that's there that's, that's used, and then uh, got involved in teaching cultural classes, and and uh, I, I think that 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 was my path to healing because uh, you know just just reconnecting at, at a very tactile level, you know, uh, with 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 the land with with using your hands to make crafts, with learning the language, with singing the songs, and being in the place of our ancestor, and uh, you know that that was that was my path. That was my path to healing. You know, and I uh, and I, I'm um, a little discouraged that the the that village out there at, at Point where it raised has kind of fallen into dilapidation. You know, as there's kind of been a, a changes in policy now, and so, uh, so you know, you having even that place as a, a center for for Coast Miwok and other California natives, and and even the community to come and appreciate, because we used to have uh, annual big time ceremonies out there, which is kind of like a powwow, and we'd have these ceremonies and uh, in in that in that space, and it's. Uh, um, we, we need to continue that. We need to continue to the use of this space for, for ceremonies, for gathering, for practicing uh, uh, our ways. And, and, and you know, the, the, as that article talks about, you know, we, we weren't. Um, so, so Sky, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to break yeah. in here because yeah, I do want to get some Thank other uh, calls in uh, and, uh, yeah, we're going to have to reference that article. We we uh, we link to uh, at least one piece we're talking about this hour, and perhaps we should be linking to another one as well from the Pacific Sun. Uh, but you know, g- given that we just have forty minutes here, um, uh, Sky Road, I, I I guess in some ways you're talking about a, a history of pain, but also survival. And and Teresa, I'm I'm wondering. Um, uh, this seems to indicate, you know, like that this is not just your individual uh, fight to have this history remembered at Point Reyes, but, but you know, it, it's a family fight. Yes, I mean, I'm not alone. My family um, stands with me on this effort. And also my family is concerned about Kule Loklo because it was a gathering in which the community came to the Strawberry Festival, the Honor Dances of Maria Copa. So there was a lot of uh, community gathering um, there. And um, I think that, you know, it's time for the greater visibility of Coast Miwok is um, out there at Point Reyes National Seashore. And I think that um, 
you know, for instance, the Indigenous Archaeological Historic nomination, I would love to see that go through um, and have that um, uh, registered with the National uh, Register of Historic Sites. So it, it, it's not just about me and my, <laughs> and my mom, though it, that is a driving force, um, of course, my love for my mom and my family. Um, but it's it's the bigger picture. It, and like I said before, it's time. It's time that we are visible. It's time our voices are heard. It's time that our presence is there at Point Reyes National Seashore. Let's take another call now, Gabriel in Alameda. Hey there. Hi, what's your story? So um, I was adopted at birth, uh, born and raised in Alameda, California, and I never actually had the opportunity to see anybody who, who looked like me as I, as I was growing up. And that made me uh, really lonely. And it took me a while until I met uh, my birth family. I actually went back to my reservation and met my birth mother and the rest of my family. Um, but one of the things that really stands out to me throughout um, all of my experiences is that our history, our Native American history, is something that we have to put together uh, and that's really hard to do um, because a lot of us, even though we're still here, a lot of our stories disappeared. Uh, and that's one of the hardest things that we have to put back together. Um, and when it comes to places like Marin County and Tamales Bay, um, that used to be one of like the largest gathering places in the whole entire Bay Area uh, for people to go and have festivals. And it would be really cool uh, if we could have a space in the Bay Area again that was just really big and really intertribal where we could all gather. And that's all I have to say. Thank you so much, Gabriel. You know, Teresa, I I think Gabriel is kind of pointing to, you know, a fundamental historical issue here where like early misunderstanding from from the Spanish and then, you know, the Americans uh, about how tribes worked here and also who, who was left, you know, at the turn of the 20th century has been a real barrier for California tribes in terms of everything from federal recognition uh, to, to, to other forms of recognition locally and, and statewide. Yes, that's so true. And, and, and it has a long, it has a historical root of the fact that in California in the 19th century, you could be hunted down. You know, you, you were, if you were native, you were in the way of settlement. And you, um, if you, you could, if you were a child, you could be an indentured servant. And so I was thinking about this because my mom would say, well, you know, your grandmother wouldn't say much. And I would thought, well, yeah, because if they were hunted down, especially at Point Reyes, um, you're not going to say much. You're going to keep your head down and you're, you're just you're just going to keep to yourself. And I think that that is in part how we protect ourselves and how we survive. And so sometimes there's a period of time where you have to go be invisible. And now you in times like this, it's time where you come back out and you're much vis- much more visible and then you can tell those stories. And it's I'm grateful for the folks who are listening and who want to know this story. Um, you know, Crystal Echohawk did a study um, about Native, what the myths about Native people. And one of her studies sh- showed that non-Native people want to know about Native people. They want to know that history. And so that is that's an important part of um, this development or this movement in which we come back and we step up and we call our home our home. 
we call our people who we are as indigenous and we stand up as indigenous people. I mean, I am not Coast Miwok by blood. I was raised by my Coast Miwok mom, but I am Kiwa Pueblo and Jemez Pueblo. And like your caller, I also know my birth family and I have visited my family and danced in ceremony um, in New Mexico. So I am blessed to know, um, have this full circle. Beautifully put. Uh, let's go to the the phones again and Flint in San Francisco. Hi, Hi Flint. Thanks for having me. What's your story? Um, I'm a White Mountain Apache person. I too, like uh, Gabriel, was adopted at birth away from my um, indigenous roots. And I'm just really happy that you guys are talking about this story because it is important across all of the U.S. from Point Reyes to, you know, New York, the other side of the country. Um, Land is how indigenous people connect to one another and are able to refine their culture and their roots and what's important. Um, And I think it's really important for us as indigenous people to have that reconnection if we've been taken away from our culture, away from our families, whether it be through boarding school or just systemic oppression. Um, It's really amazing to hear this on the news and to hear some ways that, you know, just a conversation. Everyone needs to do their part. We can all listen to Indigenous stories more, find a way to connect. Where can we donate? Where can we invest our money? Where can we invest our energy? Let's pick up a book and, like, learn about this history. Beautifully put. Well, Flint, thank you so much for for sharing those comments. You know, I I mentioned earlier, folks, uh, a a couple of uh, links uh, that we have up on the web uh, page uh, over at kqed.org slash form. We have a a link to a, a recent Pacific Sun profile of uh, Teresa and and her fight, uh, but also to uh, an Atlantic cover piece this past month about returning national parklands to indigenous peoples. This was uh, written by an author named David Troyer, also Leech Lake Ojibwe, who uh, suggested it's time to reassess 80 million acres. Who who owns it? Who should own it? Who should manage it? Uh, He wrote, we live in a time of historical reconsideration as, as more people recognize that the sins of the past still haunt the present. Uh, have you had an opportunity uh, to, to read that article, Teresa? Yes, I have. It's beautiful. It's so so well researched um, article from an indigenous historian, and he is advocating a consortium um, of tribes to take back national park lands. Um, he is talking about reparation in the form of land. Um, there, <clears throat> excuse me, there are different places all over the world. Um, he speaks about the indigenous people of Australia. I mean, the reparation could mean that, you know, tribes may have authority over certain lands, um, you know, access, you know, who can, who can come into those lands. But I think he made the point, it was an excellent point. Native people, tribal people, 
are experts at managing government. And not only that one, um, I listened to the PBS story on him and, and the uh, and, uh, re- the uh, reporter was asking, um, you know, this would be so much change for Americans of, to see the National Park Service return to Native people. And my first thought was, imagine the catastrophic change that Native people went through to have their lands taken from them, killed because their lands were taken, were needed by others and then see other people recreate in their homelands. So I think catastrophic change, you know, there people survived, we survived it. So I, I think his idea about returning um, national park lands to native people is a good idea. Well, let's head to the phones again. I want want to get a couple more calls in, uh, if we can, before the segment is over. Let's talk to Tish Ina in Fresno. Have I said your name right? Uh, can you hear me? Uh, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. No, no, you did not say my name right. My name is Tishina Parker. <laughs> Tishina, and, um, okay. Yeah. yeah. I am a Southern Sierra Miwok, uh, Mono Lake Paiute, and Kashaya Pomo, and grew up around Yosemite area. And um, my grandmother is Julia Parker. She is Coast Miwok and Kashaya Pomo, a well-known basket maker from the Bay Area, who was orphaned. And then she went to um, Indian school in, in Nevada, my, my grandpa, and moved to Yosemite. But um, I've been working in the Bay Area, wider Bay Area community, in the intertribal community there for the past 10 years, and until recently living in the Bay Area. And I just want to recognize that there's many people in the Bay who have been fighting for um, land back. Um, Corinna Gould of Sagorate over in the East Bay, um, Elfreik Manriquez, um, she's Tongva, but, or they're Tongva, but reside in um, Santa Rosa, and they're working on um, a land reparations that is um, voluntary for people that live in community that they can pay uh, land tax back into um, support Native communities within the area of the land that they occupy. And um, with the article that was published in The Atlantic, um, my family being from Yosemite, um, we are Southern Sierra Miwok and, and Paiute and intermixed tribal over there. And I grew up doing ceremonies in the roundhouse in Yosemite after the American Indian Religious Freedom Act um, allowed us to have ceremony again in the late 70s. And uh, that we are still fighting for our tribal recognition. It's been 40 years. I've been to the Office of, of the Interior to argue our case. We have piles and piles and piles of paperwork photos, um, books written on our people, and they still deny that um, there are Native people that existed in the Yosemite Park before. So Native people existed all through the United States, and in California, all of us are, a lot of us are landless, and um, a lot of us live in poverty. A lot of us have lack of resource to education, and um, with reparations and recognition, I believe some of these things can change. And one of the things I propose is a land tax for entry into parks that could go back into native communities for um, sustainability, for education, health care, for elders and future generations. That's a very interesting idea, a land tax. Uh, yeah. So and, and what what kind of response have you been getting to that? Well, right now, you know, it's just an idea talk, but there are people who are making real movements on this, like, Brenda Gould, um, Sigarate in the East Bay, who um, actually instilled the land tax, and people are voluntary, pay, voluntarily paying for it. They're purchasing land to reclaim for um, 
farming in urban areas in um, Oakland and uh, the East Bay. And with El Frank, um, they are, are starting a commission to start this in the Los Angeles area. So people that live in that area who want to who pay, pay you know, who want to give back to the land that they occupy and the people that have um, are have have been without because their land has been taken um, can elect to do this. And with national parks and state parks, um, I, I believe that having a, a tax added to the entry fee would really help tribes and sustainability with with culture and health care and um, and just being able to exist on our own land, because in California, it's so expensive to live here. It's so, so expensive. And can't even, can't I, even exist in our own land. Yeah, it, very, very good point. Tashina, I'm, I'm going to let you go and say thank you so much for those comments, because I, I do want to get one last call in here uh, from Henry in San Jose. Hello? Hi, Henry. We've got just yes. a couple minutes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, about what your tribe is up to? Um, well, I, uh, the last I looked up on the Internet, um, they're trying to ask the Catholic Church to uh, change their status on Father Hanupio Serra because they had sent over a, a, a bishop to ask the tribe for forgiveness what Father Hanupio had done to our tribe because behind the mission of San Juan Batista, there's thousands of our ancestors buried in a mass grave because when my father was a young boy, he used to play marbles in the back. And when they had an earthquake, they stopped him from going back there because the bones started coming out from under the soil. Oh, it's such a it's such a story, and I wish we had more time to talk. Henry, I want to thank you. I want to thank Teresa Harlan, the adopted daughter of a Coast Miwok Tamales Bay family. We've been talking about recovering the history of the Bay Area's native peoples and maybe even some of their land in the near future. Stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Rachel Myro. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.